Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action Podcast, where we hear from people across the U.S. that share their stories about work they are doing in their local community with a common goal of taking green action that helps care for people and wildlife and the environment in our local towns and cities. Our goal is that we might be able to learn from and inspire each other while we find our own solution-based action that lets us live meaningful, sustainable, eco-friendly lives while cleaning, protecting, and repairing the environment. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who created a successful upcycle business, creating musical instruments out of all types of different materials and items. I'm talking with David English, the founder of Black Owl Guitars in New Bern, North Carolina, and with his wiring technician, Mark Schumacher. As a musician and self-trained luthier, David takes found objects and historical pieces and turns them into beautiful, fully functional stringed instruments and amplifiers. Everything from cigar boxes, mufflers to license plates, nothing escapes David's creative drive to transform one man's treasure into amazing time-traveling music-making instruments. Mark is mostly a musician and audio technician. He cut his teeth at Sony Music on West 54th Street in Manhattan. His stubborn nature, along with his knowledge of sound and electronics, led him to being David's wiring tech. Working with David has tested his resourcefulness and creativity in ways he could not have imagined. In addition, David and Mark have developed the only handmade and hand-wired, fully integrated electric kazoos on the market. Welcome, David and Mark. I'm so excited to speak with you both and find out more about your path to green action that led you to creating an upcycle business. So, David, what helped plant the seed for you to want to take some kind of green action by upcycling initially? I guess I, uh, you know, I was a musician first and uh, played guitar, and uh, I, I actually saw an article where someone had taken some found objects, actually had taken a, a cigar box and made. Um, made a guitar out of it, uh, it but it, it just had kite string as the strings and i was like i wonder if anybody has uh, done that with um real guitar strings tried to make a you know a real instrument because what they had built was more of a toy and uh, i i found that there was a whole you know you do a, a quick google search and you find books and things that a whole history you know leading back all the way to the 1700s of you know people taking found objects and making them into instruments. And I kind of, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I was like, wow, you can pretty much make a guitar out of anything that you can find or a mandolin or a banjo or whatever. And I, I guess that's what kind of, I was intrigued by that, that uh, a, a guitar had did not have to be something that was so, we'll say perfect. Excellent. So how did you learn to use all of the tools that you use um, now? Did you have to experiment like with a lot of crafts and things like this before you actually got around to doing this? Well, yeah, I, um, you know, initially it was, uh, it was getting the tools and I said, okay, well, uh, looking at um, actual, you know, looking at guitars and looking at people who are building guitars and, and saying, okay, what kind of tools do I need? I had a a background in, you know, renovation and construction, woodworking. My grandfather and my father did woodworking, and I, I grew up doing stuff, uh, woodworking things. Uh, and so I wasn't afraid of the tools or anything. But, yeah, I had to learn, you know, uh, I was making slide guitars at first, and you don't have to put any frets in slide guitars. So there was a whole element of somebody coming up and saying, hey, can you make me a 
fretted guitar and I was like, uh oh. And so I had to get a, a bunch of specialized tools and learn to use these things that were um unfamiliar to me, but um, you know, it kind of studying what do those a lot of trial and error too, mostly error, uh joke. <laughs> but uh, you know, after a while you 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 work through those things and the the complications that you deal with those and learning uh, well, it says to do it this way, but it might be better to do it this way. So there was a lot of kind of, uh, like I said, trial and error to things. Okay. And where did you look for your materials um, and to get your creative inspiration? As far as the materials that we make the guitars out of, I, um, you know, really wherever I can, I, I remember a, a funny story I tell people. They say, well, where do you get all your pieces from? Uh, uh, most of the wood and everything is, is either deadfall or scrap wood that people are throwing away, old houses being torn down. But the funny story is I, I was riding down the road one day, my kids were in the car, and I said, what was that? And they said, what? And I said, let's turn around. And I turned around, and there was a, a muffler on the side of the road. Uh, off a, I had fallen off a truck, obviously, or something. And I said, uh, I said uh, Luke, hold on a second. I got to jump out with my son. I said, I got to jump out and grab that muffler. And I, I jumped out of the car. They were like, daddy, what are you going to use that for? And I said, well, I'm going to build a guitar out of it. And so uh, it really can just be uh, riding down the road and you see something, you go, I, rather than seeing a muffler on the side of the road, I, I saw a guitar sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Mark, how did you develop your um, specialized skills? It's mostly for me, it was mostly trial and error. I mean, I come from, uh, my background is in uh, music recording and doing live sound. And, you know, uh, back in the early to mid-2000s, there was a, the first decade of the 2000s, there was a sea change in how music was recorded. And there was a big DIY, you know, analog electronics kind of became this... Uh, this magic black box to people who had never used them before. There was a big DIY thing that happened. And, you know, so I learned most, mostly by trial and error. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, puffs, little puffs of white smoke and, you know, smells of uh, burning silicon and frustration. And I want to quit and this is hard and all of that stuff. There's also, you know, perseverance. And, you know, I just followed mine and it's kind of just that simple. So, Mark, what are the, some of the unique creative challenges involved in wiring some of the different types of instruments uh, with different materials? Well, um, so, uh, well, David, uh, David English is a brainstormer, okay? He's, uh, he is the type of guy that is just gonna, he is just gonna spit ideas out at you, okay? And all I'm trying to do is just, I'm, I'm trying to do, he spits a lot of ideas out. And what we try and do is just see what's going to grow some moss on it. And then, uh, you know, I'm just trying to hang on for dear life there. And then after all the ideas have been tossed out, basically I whittle it down to what is practical and cost effective because you can really, go down a deep dark rabbit hole with some of this stuff and end up with nothing. So um, the electric kazoo was a hard one because we had to make it so that it didn't, a lot of the problem with these, uh, with these unshielded electronic circuits is that they hum and buzz. 
And that was one of the problems that we had to overcome. And uh, the other thing was, and this comes from David being this kind of a perfectionist kind of a, a woodworker guy is that he wanted it to be kind of shapely and sleek. So that was definitely a design constraint. And then, you know, we kind of envisioned it as something like a harmonica that would fit, you know, fit really nicely in your hand. And of course it had to sound great. Excellent. So, so David, how have you, like, what are some of the creative challenges in making the stringed instruments that you were making from the beginning? How have you kind of worked with getting the sound just the way you want it with all of the different sizes and shapes and materials and that type of thing? You know, it's, it's interesting using some of those, uh, some of the things that when I first started, it was whatever I could get my hands on. I was like, as we've said a couple of times, it's been some trial and error, but you learn what you can use, uh, what cavities will resonate the best, what materials resonate the best. And it's really by building. Um, there are times where I have built things and I thought, man, this thing looks amazing. Aesthetically, it looks great. I finish it up. And it sounds terrible. I, in fact, a great a great example of that is a few years ago, I got a call from a uh, writer's group out of Nashville, and they told me I would they wanted to order some guitars, and they were for people like uh, Tim McGraw and Ronnie Dunn and some really well-known country music uh, kind of singers and writers uh, that are in the business. And they wanted them made out of, they wanted license plate guitars to make them very personal to them. And with license plate guitars, over time, I learned that some license plates work and make a great sound and some don't. And uh, they said, well, we want them from the years that they were born. And so some some of those plates were going to sound great because some of those guys are born in the the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and those, those plates generally had a pretty good sound to them because of the metal they were using at the time to make license plates. But some of the folks are younger, and they were the not you get into the 90s and the 2000s, and the plates sound terrible. I suggested, I said, well, these folks will need to do this. Um, some of those challenges are where people want what they want. And I like to give them that. So if, if it is someone who says, well, no, I, I want to with the license plate. I want a 1996 uh, Wisconsin plate on this guitar, but I also want it to sound good. Well, there are some challenges to that because generally speaking, they're made of more aluminum and things like that that don't resonate quite as well. And so we've had to figure out how, well, what can we use to make that guitar sound good, but also aesthetically look the way they want. And so there's been some things, different things to jump through, different hoops. And working with Mark, there's been electronics problems. You know, we'll have grounding issues sometimes with the with the pieces I've used. And and working with him, he is his his mind. He he calls me a perfectionist. I'm not sure if he doesn't have me beat on that. Uh, there's I don't know anybody that knows wiring any better than he does. And uh, but he will work through uh, some of those challenges we face with some of those parts. They just it's hard to get a ground on them sometimes. And uh, but he always works through it, and he's very uh, resilient. So, um, yeah, that's kind of we, – we've, we've had to do a, a lot of those challenges. So when you started the company um, initially, David, how did you start getting the word out? I mean, I understand that you were a, mus a musician before you did this. Did that kind of – did you just do by word of mouth or – it's interesting. When I first started, I built one for myself. Uh, it was a slide guitar. It was built. I, I still have it sitting here next to me. Uh, and it, 
it was just a slide blues guitar and it sounded okay. It wasn't the greatest. I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but it was a first. But I put some electronics in it and I went playing downtown one day uh, with it and uh, just kind of out on the street there. And somebody saw it and they said, hey, can you build me one of those? It was just basically someone saw me playing. And I said, okay. And I, I built them what they wanted. And, and they said, and then they start, another person said, hey, can you build me? one. I saw his, can you build me one? And I, I built that and I continued building for myself. What else can I build these out of? And I said, you know, I think I'll go down and I may try this. I may try to make a little extra cash on the side because I was working another, I was working another job at the time. I said it was more started as a hobby. And I went down and started on the weekend selling at the farmer's market down in Newburn here. Just a little farmer's market, not huge. Uh, and I just made a display and started putting them out there and I would sit out from about eight o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon and just play guitar and talk to people about these instruments that were made out of weird things. And and so, yeah, it was a lot of word of mouth to, to begin with. Over time, that grew into um, let me do festivals and I started traveling festivals. And then I had a buddy eventually ask me, he goes, hey, you ought to wholesale these and uh, you ought to do some wholesale stuff or sell these to stores. And I, I did that for a while. And so it's been kind of funny how it's grown into something that merely started as a hobby, some interest. I said, hey, that's kind of neat uh, into you're, you're selling them uh, and sometimes to people who, you know, you're, you're like, wow, uh, that just went to John Bon Jovi and it's sitting in his recording studio. I, that's it's, it's kind of amazing how it's come along. Well, can we hear you play one of your instruments? Sure. I have have a, sitting here with me, I have a, uh, it's a a 1960s cookie tin that's been turned into a four-string banjo. I'll see what I can do here on it. Excellent. That's amazing. Just all the different varieties of of sound that can from. I heard some of your other instruments from your website too. It's just, it's really amazing. Well, thank you. Um, when I started building things, I started with those slide guitars that have more of a blues sound. You use uh, the bending of the strings to make that real bluesy sound, and then people started asking, "Well, can you make a banjo? Can you make a mandolin?" Can you make a guitar, like a regular six-string guitar? And and the answer was, well, I can try. (laughs) And and so uh, we went out and started looking at fretting materials and uh, and tools. And uh, and after after a while, you were we were built. uh, You know, I was building all kinds of things. You know, whatever people dulcimers and whatever anybody wanted. So uh, I even figuring out how to do a five-string banjo, which is you know. The Kai is the more traditional banjo that you see. So um, those all things were kind of came along and gave us this variety of instruments, which I think has really helped the success of the business. We were able not ju- not to just stay in one realm, but we were able to kind of spread out across all realms of music where people could use. Uh, you know, Mark has integrated the fact that we you know we can put in these ele- you know electric guitar pickups like P90s and humbuckers and that. And having him wire has opened up a whole nother realm of uh, folks uh, that we, we sell to. Wow. 
You said that you, you do electric kazoo, is that correct? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. So how does that work and like what are you making the kazoos out of? The body of the kazoo is built, you know, you'll see different ones. We use hardwood. Uh, everything is hardwoods, uh, but uh, you'll see some colored hardwoods in there. It's actually it is a dyed and pressed uh, birch uh, hardwood that uh, is done in the different colors, and I can get that from a company. But the other the other stuff is the rest of the body of the kazoo and everything is built out of either deadfall or recycled lumber that we find. Uh, and there even we have some plain wood kazoos. The inside, uh, the electronics really is more of a, I call it the proprietary secret or whatever. Uh, that it was figuring out how to... Uh, like Mark said, a lot of feedback going on in there. Uh, a lot of not, you know, unshielded things and causes all kinds of noises. And it was uh, so building the kazoo. We, I started doing a, acoustic kazoos, and they're made out of wood, so they give you more of a resonant tone rather than a metal or a or a plastic that you would see. You get these real. Uh, some some folks that have reviewed our stuff are we we say that we have the real instrument of the kazoo world, which is a nice compliment. And they say they can use them, but the trick and Mark Mark is the real uh, kind of genius. I said, well, why we were playing a kazoo in a band, and you get a lot of the air sound through the mic and feedback and stuff. And I said, well, we need to be able to plug this in. And so I created kind of the first, you had to see it, it was real clunky, uh, his electric kazoo. And then uh, when he started wiring, I said, hey, I want to do this, but I, I need it to be a lot cleaner than this. It needs to be sleeker. It needs to be smaller. And he said, well, let's see what we got. And uh, kind of putting our heads together dealing with pickups and jacks and wiring uh we were able to get some pieces through and we we wire our own system mark wires all the uh all all the pickups for the um because he did a lot of research on how to how do we how is it that we can plug these zoos in through anything you know he was testing them out on i mean what did you plug them into I mean, all kinds of pedals and all kinds of yeah yeah, I mean, we run through pedal boards and guitar amps and make sure they're not howling and squealing and humming horribly to where it's just a distraction and nobody wants to listen to. We were able to, uh, I was able to whittle it down and get it to a point where it was pretty, where it was, uh, it's quiet. And uh, that's, you know, that's that's one of the, that's one of the challenges that you face in, building something from scratch is uh, overcoming uh, physics and just, you know, uh, you know, uh, living in the real world and the stuff that's, uh, that's uh, trying to make your stuff not be musical anymore. And, you know, overcoming that is a big challenge. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, that electric kazoo took almost two years to make, right? That's right, that's right. It took a long time. Wow. So I was going to ask you, like, what are some of the challenges you've faced? But that pretty much sums up a lot of them. <laughs> um, are there any other business challenges that you've faced? Well, I mean, one of the challenges is this. It's like, what the heck do you do next? You know, it's like, you know, it's a thing that keeps you up at night wondering what you're going to what you're going to do and how you're going to make it work. I mean, you know, you trust your process and don't give up. You know, it's uh, it's an important ingredient to be successful at anything. Yeah, I would say, I mean, he's right. It's, it's 
always being on the forefront of what people want next. For a while, slide instruments were the thing. They were they were what everyone was buying. They were what everybody wanted. It was different. Uh, people were getting back to this roots style, American roots music um, stuff uh, that it comes out of the, the Delta. And they were like, oh, man, that's a great sound. And then, then you saw a kind of a, a, we'll call it a resurrection of uh, bluegrass and Americana type stuff. People were adding banjos in. And so we switched to doing banjos and mandolins and dulcimers. And, and now I'm seeing more of a, a turn back to people purchasing more blues style guitars. But then, then there was a big push for kazoos in there. Uh, we, the beginning of the 2020, I, uh, I know a lot of people will say, "Well, we'll just we'll just throw 2020 out. This hasn't been a, a this year has been a, a scrap. We'll start over next year." And I um, and Mark Mark knows this, and he can tell you this. Uh, and um, Lori, my wife, she'll tell you this has been my best year for business than any other year. Uh, we've made more money this year selling instruments to people than any other year we have. And people, well, that's well, that's odd. Why why would that be? And I think it's because people were looking for something to do. Uh, we sell, we we do a lot of marketing online and stuff, and that has been interesting. But Mark's right; it's it's always being ahead of the customer. What do they want? Give them what they want, and it's also how do you give them what they want for a price that is affordable? You 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 have to be very competitive in pricing, and that creates some challenges for us. Is as you know, we obviously can't build a guitar for three hundred dollars and then sell it for three hundred dollars. We're not going to make anything, so it's how are we cost-effective on doing things and making cool stuff, making really unique things and making that cost-effective for the customer and making it affordable and having something for every price point. We do something, we, we have something for everybody. We have all the way down to like, uh, you know, $10, $15 build your own kazoo kit all the way up to four and $500 guitars and $200 amplifiers that we build. And, you know, uh, having those price points for whatever anybody's looking for. And we do custom stuff, you know, so. Excellent. Excellent. So what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your efforts? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, you know what? Unpredictability keeps it interesting. I can tolerate a fair amount of, uh, of turmoil in my life. So, you know, fun is nice, but I mean, anything that's trying to be more of a hobby, but anything that's trying to be more than a hobby gets to be a job and a grind. I mean, fun is a nice aspect, but the real fun for me is to see, uh, is seeing something that's an idea you know, a piece of, uh, you know, mental uh, pixie dust become real in the real world. And, it, you know, it's the creator's disease, you know. You love to see something come to life. I, I think uh, the reward is, the reward at the end of the day for me is, and it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter if it is, John Bon Jovi or who are these people that have your guitar or all the way down to the guy that bought one who's a hobbyist musician or someone who gave a ukulele that I built to their child and that's what they learn on uh, for their first instrument. For me, the reward is that someone, you have made something for something, one, and they are and they see that as this fantastic thing. Uh, you created something that someone else values dearly and to see people enjoy that and use it to 
make more enjoyment in their own life. I, I think that is what it is, uh, put, pushing that positivity, uh, uh, creating something positive and spreading that positivity to, to other people. And I, I like creating those things. I think it's a, it's a neat process. Like I said, it doesn't matter who I build for. Someone appreciating what you did and created for them, that, that, that's, that's, reward. that's the main reward at the end of the day. Excellent. Excellent. If your ideas and your experience and wisdom were all wrapped up in new seeds of potential action for others in other cities that might be considering some type of upcycling business, what advice would you give them to someone that might be considering this? Well, I would say have lots of time available and test, test, test again, and then test again. And then make sure everything is reliably and competently constructed. And then if something goes wrong, because it always does, do everything you can to make it right. I think, I think it's important to remember that doing something like we do may just need to be stay, may just need to stay a hobby. And if that's where you find your enjoyment, if it's something that you want to push to a business level, you're going to have to be willing to do something else while you're building it. And you need capital. Um, you don't want to do it like we did, I, like I did it at the beginning. I took something, I was working a job, I made something a hobby, people started asking, and I just jumped right into it. Having having capital on hand, my, my wife will joke, she was joking as we were uh, talking about things last night, and she said, yeah, you got, I was talking about the questions and things, and I, I, she said, well... She goes, you've got to be willing to take everything in your bank account, set it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're okay with that, go go for it. Because it really is, there's a lot of risk in it. Uh, Even with capital on hand, there's a lot of risk factor because you don't know the customer is completely, uh, you can't read them some days, you know? Uh, And so you might be massively successful. You may be moderately successful, or you may fail. But the thing is to remember that if you fail, that is also a success in itself. You've discovered something that doesn't work, and you shouldn't quit at that point. Just move to something else. Uh, um, uh, Take that as a learning experience, uh, I think, is the main thing. So, uh, yeah, um, Mark's right. The the old adage, uh, I guess, is the best way to put it is – you know, we say we say measure twice, cut once, but I think the actual saying, as it comes out of uh, somewhere in Europe, it says measure seven times, <laughs> cut once, and uh, that that's probably the rule. <laughs> Oh, so do you have any advice for couples or friends working together in a creative um, capacity? Uh, I would say uh, give each other lots of. I would say give each other give each other lots of room to make some mistakes. I, I agree, with Mark. Working together is difficult, as you know, in any capacity. Can be there are challenges you come. You've got different different personalities. Uh, there's uh, an amount of forgiveness that needs to go on. Also, listening is very important. If you don't listen, there are many times Mark has said something to me that initially was just something in passing he may have said. I, it may not even have to do mainly with what we're talking, you know, that a product we're talking about. It may just be a kind of a side note. And I've kind of, uh, that has, for some reason, sat and simmered in the back of my head. And it has 
created other, even Lori created other products that come out of that. Lori, my wife, she helps, you know, she makes all our cases, does our handmade guitar cases and kazoo cases. But she is a, a real, you know, I bounce off of ideas off her, but sometimes she'll say something and it'll just sit in the back of my mind. And it may not come to fruition immediately, immediately, but that little thought might be the birth of another idea. So listening to each other and also, yeah, Mark's right, uh, leaving a lot of room for, uh, for error because when you're doing this, you can't call it someday. You know, you, you really can't call it. And, uh, and working together, uh, the, I think that's the main thing is having those people you work well with and working together to make something success. And uh, so. Excellent. Excellent. So as we wrap up, what kind of resource, maybe a book, website, or film maybe has been particularly helpful or informative for you? Well, uh, well, I mean, I, I have a lot of, there's a lot of things that have, you know, over the past few years that I've been into. I mean, the thing is, is a lot of people aren't, definitely aren't going to go through my path. But I mean, I took the MIT uh, 6002 circuits and electronics course online. Uh, they, they provide it uh, for free. It's an amazing course. You have to have the time to be able to deal with it and take it. And it's not easy. It's difficult. Uh, you have to be dedicated to it. And, uh, you know, truth be told, I didn't pass it. But I mean, uh, it was, it, it provided a good framework for me and a lot of uh, ideas and experience. Uh, there's, uh, you know, from that course, I got, went into the Argawal uh, foundations of analog and digital electronic circuits. And then there's, you know, the Charlie Parker Omni book, which is an endless fountain of uh, musical inspiration because I play music a lot too. And uh, the J.S. Bach Corral book. I work out of that a lot. Too. I think as far as from a building standpoint and just, uh, and what we were talking about, how do you get things to sound a certain way? I think uh, for me, a lot of listening to a lot of music has, has helped me uh, be able to tune into while I'm building things, how to make things sound a certain way, what things should sound like, you know, uh, so listening to music itself creates a lot of inspiration. As far as books or resources, when I learned to fret, you know, I, I've had all kinds of tool resources along the way. When I got my fretting tools, I threw the book aside and was like, okay, let me just see if I can figure out the figure this thing out. It's a miter box, should work the same way. So I've watched a lot of videos of people on how to use tools uh, properly. I also have a great, I have a mentor up in um, Hillsboro named Jay Metters, and he he is a he's been working you know, for 60 years doing woodworking. And he's been a, a great wealth of knowledge to me. Um, he is a wood turner and wood sculptor and carver. And he's been able to teach me how to use tools that I didn't know I, that were available, a hand tools even, uh, that I didn't know you could use in ways and making suggestions of how to do things, jigs and fixtures. As far as uh, kind of uh, the history of making instruments from found objects, uh, there's a book a guy named, I believe his name is Robert Jewell. Uh, he put out a book uh, about, called One Man's Trash, and it's kind of the history of the cigar box guitar is what it is, and it talks about the history of found uh, the instruments of found object made out of found objects, and that's an interesting uh, uh, kind of uh, book to consult and read through occasionally, different parts and stuff. And learn about the, uh, it's kind of an interesting resource if you're just interested in reading about, well, where did all this come from? Where did all these sounds come from? And, you know, where do these ideas come from? Because I certainly, people walk up to me all the time and they say, hey, man, that's a great idea you came up with. 
I certainly did not come up with this idea. It is it is completely I've put my own I've interpreted it in my own way and I am simply, you know, a revival of something that comes from the past. And I like to tell stories. I've I've always been a storyteller and I feel like most of the time I'm not selling a product, I'm selling a story, really. I'm telling a story and uh, the story behind that object and what it's made out of. And I'm telling a story from the past and where that may may have come from. Excellent. So do you have any new things that you'd like to share with others or maybe um, how to contact you? Or both. So yeah, we're always working on new stuff. Uh, we like I said, we do custom stuff. So if you have a something in mind you're thinking about, we can do that. And you know, we always we've been working on some amplifiers. Mark Day, we've been doing some amplifiers recently and picking around with those. So we've got a few of those out. So that's kind of some new stuff. So keep an eye out for that on the on the shop. You can get it. So you want to just pick it up. Check out the website. We're www.blackowlguitars.com and. Uh, we also, uh, pretty much anything you click on on that will take, you know, on that site will carry you over to our, we have an Etsy shop is where we do our e-commerce and things. And uh, that'll take over. And there's lots of different, you know, everything we have in inventory is on there. We do free shipping. Um, but if you go straight to Etsy, you can type in Black Owl Guitars as one word, and that'll take you to our shop as well. You can follow us uh, and subscribe and like us on YouTube. We have a whole channel there. I do lots of videos. Um, demoing instruments and doing songs and Mark and I'll do a duet occasionally. Uh, we'll do some kazoo stuff on there, all kinds of stuff on there. It's a lot of fun. So like and subscribe us on YouTube. That'd be great. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. You can find us. If there's social media, Facebook, you can find us. Uh, we're always Black Owl Guitars. So anywhere you type that in, you'll be able to hunt us down. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you both for taking the time to share this with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.